Abundance of love Abundance of grace Now to that cross You took my place Oh God You paid my ransom My ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1. First few verses in Proverbs chapter 1. You got that in the New Living? Uh, Let's look at it in the New Living Translation on the screen. We can look at it together. Verse 1 says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. The purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Stay with that right there. Go back to verse 2. Their purpose. Okay, verse 1, he said, this it told us what it is. The Proverbs written by Solomon, King David's son. And this verse and, 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 and verses following tell us what their purpose is. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. We're going to look at this tonight. I was going to talk to you out of the book of James because James is our book of the month. But with today being uh, the beginning of March, I want us to really focus in this month and read the book of Proverbs together as a church. So let's pray right now that God would be our teacher. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for good reports, God. Thank you for trials that build our faith, Lord. Thank you for tests that grow our testimony, God. Thank you for all the things that you're doing in the world. We ask you now to let us concentrate on you and your word and teach us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you read the Proverbs, which I've told you before, is a very unique book in the Bible because it is not contextual. Most of all literature is contextual. Most of all literature, the, the, the paragraph that you're reading is, is flowing with the paragraph that you just read and setting up the paragraph you're about to read. That's how you build context. Most scripture, chapter 2, is building on what was said in chapter 1 and is setting up what's going to say in chapter 3. Proverbs is not like that at all. Proverbs is not a contextual book. Proverbs is just a group of sayings. It's a group of one-liner, hard-hitting truths that has a purpose, and the purpose is to teach wisdom and discipline, comma. That's where you have to stop. Pause on the punctuation and digest what was just said. The purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Now, if we had a bucket full of wisdom over here and a bucket full of discipline over there, Which bucket do you think people would go to first? The wisdom bucket. We should want wisdom. People say easy definition, truth in it, not not the total definition, but that knowledge is the acquisition or accumulation of facts, and wisdom is the ability to know how to use those facts. And there's there's good truth in that. So, So wisdom, if we get wisdom, If we allow God to teach us wisdom, then we are going to be able to use the information that we possess. I'm convinced the average person does not need to possess new information. I think that's just a trick of the devil. 
want to go to a conference and learn something new. Somebody's got some new cutting-edge way of, 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 of viewing Scripture, and people get all excited about it. I think if we just learn how to apply the truth we already know, we'd be way ahead of the game. If you lived everything about the Bible and God that you already know, you'd be a busy person. It's, it's like that book or poem or whatever it is. I never read it, but everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. You learn how to say please and thank you. You learn how to share. You, you, you learn basic manners. If, if people just live the way we're taught, we teach our children how to live, if we did that as adults, the world would be a better place. And if we learn how to apply the facts and the information that we already know about God, we're going to be in a much better place. But its purpose is not just to teach us wisdom, but to teach us discipline. Okay, so it's Bible study, Wednesday night. It's open, interactive. Let's talk about it. Why would we need someone to teach us wisdom? Anybody know? The simple answer. Because we don't have it, because we need it. We do not possess wisdom intrinsically. You, you, are, you are born and, 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 and molded at a young age to be introverted, to be extroverted, to, to be dominant or passive, to be loud or to be quiet, to, to be, you know, intellectual or athletic. You, you, you're molded in these ways from birth at a, at a very young age. You, you have these certain proclivities that you are born with that can be developed through your lifetime, but no one is born with wisdom. Nobody, the wisest person you know was not born with wisdom. They were taught wisdom. It is just like changing the oil in your car. Every man in the room ought to know how to change the oil in his car. Why? It's not a functional thing to do anymore. Not, not when, you know, you can, you can go by the dealership and get it done for $25 in, in 30 minutes or less, and it costs you that much in time and effort to go buy uh, an oil filter and six quarts of oil. But you still need to know how to do it. And no man was born knowing how to change the oil in his car. How did he get to the place where he could change the oil in his own car? He was taught it. He learned it. See, there's certain things that you don't have to be taught. Selfishness. You can see that in every nursery in the world. You don't have to teach selfishness. Kids come out saying, mine, 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 mine. They, they don't verbalize it, but it's in their head. The whole world is theirs. We, we don't have to be taught selfishness. We don't have to be taught survivorism. We don't have to be taught self-preservation. We don't have to be taught certain things. But we do have to be taught wisdom if we're ever going to have wisdom. And the Bible has a lot to say about wisdom and our need for wisdom. And the best way, I believe, to find wisdom is to be inside this book. And these chapters inside Proverbs are filled with wisdom not just wisdom though discipline so the reason why if you're paying attention this next question is gonna be easy the reason why human beings need to be taught wisdom is because we do not have that naturally we need it and we don't have it so what is the reason why human beings need to be taught discipline we don't have that either we do not have that if we had that, parenting would be so much easier. Drill sergeant work would be so much easier. 
People are not born with discipline. It has to be taught. Now, here's the catch. If you're going to read through the book of Proverbs this month, if you are, are going to be the person that God wants you to be, then you need to desire wisdom and discipline. And the sad reality is most don't. Most don't. The scripture tells us to make, to train, to raise up disciples. Churches do a good job of making converts because America has perfected the art of church. And America has put phenomenal orators in pulpits with microphones that can talk anybody into making a decision for Christ. Make a decision for Christ takes one second. To become a disciple, Jesus said go and make disciples. Now you got to be converted first. But to make disciples, that's a lifelong process. And I've said it so many times, but I need you to get it in your mind. What is the root word of disciple? Discipline. Discipline. And this is not something that kids like. You should be able to self-evaluate and self-check your own level of Christian maturity by how willing you are to live a disciplined life. Because the willingness to live a disciplined life reflects maturity, even in the natural. And remember, Jesus taught first natural, then spiritual. He talked to farmers in farming terms to get them to understand spiritual truths. He talked to fishermen in fishing terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. First, now he, 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 he explained things in a natural way, hoping you could grasp it in a spiritual way. Kids, the younger they are, the less discipline they have. And the less they desire discipline. They don't want discipline. And I've told y'all so many times, the average Christian is, is no different than the average three-year-old child. They just do what they want to do, say what they want to say, dance how they want to dance, play how they want to play. With no regard to discipline at all. Why? Because that sounds heavy. That sounds difficult. It sounds oppressive. It doesn't sound fun. Until you realize that as you desire discipline, you become more of a disciple. And your desire should be to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. These Proverbs purpose also to help them understand the insights of the wise. So Solomon, I should have asked y'all, give y'all a chance to be smart. Who's the wisest man that ever lived according to the Bible? Solomon. Solomon's the wisest man to ever live, according to the Bible. So if he was just saying something out of his mouth, it would be wiser than what anyone else ever said. But in this passage, in this book of Proverbs, it's not just he's saying it out of his mouth, but he's inspired by the Holy Ghost to say it. So not only do you have his natural wisdom to say it out of his mouth, but you've got the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to make it right, true, proper, and wise. So everything that we read in the book of Proverbs is an insight of the wise because God's saying it and Solomon is saying it at the same time. Solomon is speaking it, but God is inspiring him to speak it. So the purpose of these things is to help us understand the insights of the wise. Well, the whole Bible is wise, and as you get more wisdom and as you get more discipline, it's going to be easier easier for you to understand the insights of the wise. If we'd be honest, 
everybody in the room would say either for them now or at some point in their life, or they know someone whose testimony is, the Bible's just hard for me to understand. There's parts of the Bible you're not going to understand. It's just too wise. It's, too, it's over us. The Bible says in sometimes that God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But there are truths that we are able to understand if we will desire them. Say desire. You have to desire it. It's just like rehab. I'm not going to make you raise your hand and see how many people got, have been through rehab. Um, I grew up doing a lot of bad things in my life and always being in the principal's office, always having parent-teacher conferences, always getting in trouble, and drugs, alcohol, and hearing teachers and principals and administrators tell my mom, you know, Scott's just capable of so much more. He just doesn't want to apply himself. And I can tell you from the youngest days of hearing that to working with people through addiction recovery that until you want to get better, you will not get better. Children who are forced into rehab by their parents relapse at a rate of 100%. Adults who are forced into rehab by the court system relapse at a rate of 100%. Adults who are forced into rehab by their family or spouses relapse at a rate of 100%. Forced rehabilitation does not work and it never will work because until a person decides on their own that I want better for me, better's not coming. You got to make this decision on your own. See, the world can tell you it's January 1st, you need to get in the gym. But until you want to be in the gym, you're not going to stick to that. The world can tell you it's January 1st, turn over a new leaf, read the whole Bible through in a year. But until you really desire that, it's just not going to work. Unless you have a personal desire to acquire wisdom and discipline, you're just going to be ping-pong bouncing up and down, in and out, on and off. Look at verse 3. It goes on to talk more purpose. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. All right? Now, if I had two buckets, had a bucket full of success and a bucket full of discipline, pretty sure which bucket people would run to. People want success. People want wisdom. See, wisdom was changed for success. Discipline was changed for nothing. Still discipline. So the purpose was discipline in verse 2, discipline and wisdom. The purpose in verse 3, still discipline with the added benefit of successful lives. The purpose of this book inside our Bible is to teach you how to live a disciplined life and how to live a successful life. These 31 chapters will change your life if you want it to. If you desire wisdom, if you desire discipline, if you desire success, this is the book that you need to be in. It goes on in, in, in the second half to say, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. I told you about the rate of relapse. Let's think about the rate of someone's ability to do right without God's help. Zero. 
your ability to do right. Now, see, there are some really saintly people. I get that. Oh, my grandmother on my, on my cousin's side, she was just holy woman, just so holy. I mean, just a saint pastor, just never did wrong. Get to know her. Get to know her. Uh, she had her own struggles. But she probably leaned on God a lot. So people didn't see him as much. The ability to do what is right comes from acquiring knowledge, wisdom, discipline, and success. And knowledge, wisdom, discipline, and success are promised from reading these 31 chapters if you desire to have that and to be that. See, I believe inside the heart of every Christian is to please God. The Bible says that when you get saved, God puts his down payment on the inside of you, which is his spirit that guarantees that you will achieve the resurrection. And so the Holy Ghost lives inside the believer. The Bible says that he, he is in us. And so there's this, there's this pull, this draw, this longing to live right for God. The purpose of these 31 chapters is to help us do that, to help us do what is right, just, and fair. If you're not doing enough of what is right, you need to read Proverbs more. And the whole scripture uh, will, will help in that regard as well. Look at verse 4. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, comma. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. I have had people tell me, Pastor, I just wish I could remember stuff the way you do. Pastor, I, I, I just wish it, that when you read it and talk about it, it makes sense. But I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just not, I'm just not that smart. I just don't have that kind of memory. I, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, and, and as if I'm not a common um, west side of Jacksonville uh, normal individual, just like everybody else. There's nothing supernatural about me. I've just been doing this for a long time, and I desire to have what God wants me to have, and I refuse to give up. I talked to my boys today about the um, necessity of diligence for believers, and I told them all of God's promises are to those who endure. There's no promise of God to those who try and stop and work real hard and then fall off the wagon and get up and get down. There's no promises there. There, there, there's, there's no blessing in that type of up-and-down Christianity. The promises come as a result of diligence. And I love this phrase because it says these Proverbs will give insight to the simple. It doesn't matter if your IQ is 165 or 65. You read this book and you keep reading it. Do not allow the devil to tell you you cannot understand the Bible. You can understand the Bible. God would be a horrible parent to tell us things that we could not understand and promise to chastise us if we don't do it. If you tell your child, if you don't do what I'm about to tell you to do, I'm going to chastise you, and then you tell it to him in some language that he doesn't know, and you beat him for not doing it, you're just a horrible human being. And God is not a horrible parent. God is just and fair, and he does what is right. You can understand this. No matter how simple you are, these Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. doesn't matter how young you are. You can understand this. If you would desire to, if you will give yourself to this, you can get this. And in getting this, you're going to have successful life. Everybody wants a successful life. 
Everybody doesn't want riches. Everybody doesn't want a big house. That's just a lot to clean. Everybody doesn't want a, an expensive car. I'm trying to get my kids to understand um, because they're you – know, Seth really wants me to buy a Bentley, and I'm like, son, I'm not buying a Bentley. I like my paid-for Lincoln. And so I have to teach him about the cost of buying a car but the continued cost of maintaining a car, okay? The oil change on my paid-for Camry, $29. Oil change on a 5 Series BMW, $175. Oil change on a Bentley, $400. It's not just the cost of the car, it's the cost of maintaining a car. So it's... it's, it's Everybody doesn't want to drive big and live big, but everybody wants to be successful. You want to have a successful life. You want to have successful relationships. That's why we're talking about getting healthy in our relationships in 2017. That's why we're talking about getting healthy spiritually and financially in 2017. And, and the promise here is that this will give insight even to the simple and knowledge and discernment even to the young. We have got to take these promises seriously and get inside these Proverbs, look at verse 5. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wise. Well, if you're not simple and young, if you really believe yourself to be wise, then you ought to be wise enough to know that you should get wiser. So this is, okay, from the simple to the wise, let, let, let's see if um, anybody can figure out which type of people is this for. From the young to old, from simple to wise, that includes who? Everybody. Everybody. This is for everybody, so this is for you. It's, you even if you're wise, you can become wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. No matter how brilliant you are, there's something to be received from reading these 31 chapters inside this book. Look at verse 6. By exploring the meaning of, in these proverbs and parables, comma, by exploring the meaning. Okay, so it's not just reading. You cannot just read the Bible like you read a comic book. You cannot just read the Bible like you read a newspaper. You have got to pause on the punctuation. You have got to take it in small bite-sized pieces. You got to break it down and digest it to where it gets on the inside of you. There is an exploration that is mandated to digest the scripture. You got to dig in this thing. You got to explore. What does this mean? Pause. Don't just try to read through. I'll tell you, you can read through every proverb in this book, every chapter of Proverbs in this book in less than five minutes. Easy on a slow read. Three minutes on average. But you're not exploring at that point. You're just reading. If you slow it down and you decide, I am going to dig for this thing, knowing that there is gold on the inside of this. I'm going to dig for this, knowing there is treasure, knowing there is value. Explore the meaning in these proverbs, in these parables, in the words of the wise, and their riddles. See, some of this stuff is, is, is cloaked in wise speech that people like us got to slow it down and read it twice. You ever had to read anything twice? You mess around and start reading some of these brilliant people, you're like, man, I, I, I've been on this one page for 10, I've reread this one page five times because I'm just trying to understand what this cat is trying to say. 
people that 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 write with lots of metaphors, similes, tropes, analogies, people who, who write with, with veiled reference and riddles, you just can't read that like you read People magazine. You, you got to sit there and try to figure out. You got to explore it. You got to try to understand the meaning because some of this stuff doesn't jump right. Now, I thank God that most of it does jump right out at you. Honestly, the book of Proverbs is the easiest book to discern because it's one-liners. It's not contextual. You don't have to figure out the whole book together. You can find one little snippet that you're like, oh, I get that. Well, now you're off and running. You got something. And there's no way that you can convince me you can read an entire chapter of Proverbs without getting something, no matter how young you are, no matter how simple you are. Because the Word of God works if you work it. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Come. So what's the foundation of true knowledge? The fear of the Lord. Now, if you've been around me for a long time, you know already what the fear of the Lord is. You already understand that the Bible defines the fear of the Lord inside this very book of Proverbs. But if you go and you ask somebody on your job tomorrow, um, I hear preachers talk about the fear of the Lord a lot. I, you go to average pastor and ask him, what, what does the fear of the Lord mean? Here's the definition you'll get. A holy reverence for God. Like you fear your father. You should fear the Lord like, like you fear your mother. You, you, you have a love and a reverence. And this is what the common definition in commentaries that you can read and in preaching that you can listen to of what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is the foundation. Now, I don't believe that's what it is. We'll get to it in a minute. But the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. What happens if you're building something on top of a bad foundation? Does it last? It does not last. The foundation has to be sure. I grew up with a friend of mine who was a geotechnical engineer. That's a fancy word for somebody who plays in dirt. And her job was to go out with this little cylinder thing and twist it down into the dirt and pull cores out at different depths to see how capable the dirt was. And she could study the dirt, and tell you how much pounds of building you can put in that location. Because you can't put a skyscraper on a swamp. No matter how much concrete you pour, no matter how much footers you put on it, you have to have the right, the foundation is critical to the building. If you're building on a shaky foundation, you're in trouble. And without the fear of the Lord, you don't have the right foundation. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. This is what we want, true knowledge. Not fake knowledge, not preacher knowledge, not church knowledge, true knowledge. To really know God and what he says. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Well, we know for sure they despise discipline. That's a sign of immaturity. Your child doesn't, your young child doesn't really want to sit and listen to you talk about discipline and, and why they need to do what you say. But as they get older, they have an ear for it more if they're growing, if they're maturing. If they're not, there's a problem there. It's like um, I talked to you guys about the course I went to when I became an E4 and started having troops under me. And they sent me to primary leadership development course at Fort Polk, Louisiana, which at that point was the home of the 5th Infantry Division mechanized, and they were hardcore for real. 
and it basically was a condensed version, a 30-day version of intense training for young non-commissioned officers. And it was like basic training all over again. We had to put our socks in our locker. We had to roll our T-shirts. We had to stand for inspection every morning. We had to look for threads on our uniform. We had to space our insignia out perfectly one inch. We had to have everything perfect, and it was a hard examination. It was, it was, it was like basic training on steroids. The difference was everyone that was there knew what they were supposed to do. Everyone that was there was a leader. Everyone that was there was guiding troops. That's why it's called Primary Leadership Development Course. It was to develop people who already desired leadership and were involved in leadership. The, the, the desire for discipline was there. So there was nobody crying. When I went to basic training, I had two guys cried every night like babies. He hates me. He's always about that. And I'm like, he don't hate you. It's his job. He's just doing his job. And they were just freaking out, could, could, couldn't do it because they didn't want to do it. If you cannot roll your T-shirt six inches perfectly, it's only because you don't want to. It's not that difficult. Pull a dollar bill out of your pocket, measure it, six inches. Nobody had to ride us in PLDC about how to roll our T-shirts. Nobody ever came out with their sleeves down when we were told sleeves up. Because we all had a desire to be disciplined and to make that E7 happy so we could get through this course. Growth and maturity is, is seen by the desire to live a disciplined life. There are people that are just undisciplined in their finances. People, you watch, people will get their income tax return and go out and buy a new TV. What's wrong with TV you got? Well, it's not big enough. Well, it was big enough last week. You just got some hot money in your hand? People will get their income tax return and take their whole family and their cousin to Disney World and blow the whole thing. Just not disciplined with their finances. Why? Immature. Just not mature. Just don't want to be disciplined. You could take that same three, $4,000 and do something smarter with it. See, that shows maturity. You could pay down some debt with that. You could tuck that away for a rainy day. You could do something substantial. You could invest it. You could give it away and let God bless it. But, you know... Oh, man, I'm glad I got my taxes back. I've been eyeballing these, these, uh, these, these KD-13 retros. I mean, they're $700 online right now, but, you know, I got my taxes back, so I can go ahead and get these. What? If you're spending $700 on a pair of tennis shoes, you better be rich. I read something today that said you should never buy something for yourself or people in your family that you couldn't easily buy three times without missing. I thought, that's awesome right there. That's awesome right there. My Tim's cost $190. The shoes I'm wearing right now cost $190. That's, that's too much money to pay for a pair of shoes. But I could have paid $600 for it, and it wouldn't have changed my ability to pay my bills this month. 
Okay? Can, you, can you pay three times for it without missing it? Going out to eat? I, I told you all one time we had, a, we had a woman, a single mother with four daughters. Came to the church, maxed out our highest level of benevolence, took all the money. We got, we got a policy. Took it all, claiming that she needed to keep her lights on. I saw her the very next night. I think it was at Olive Garden. It was some high-priced restaurant. You say, well, Olive Garden's not high-priced. It is when you come into the church trying to get your light bill paid. So I wasn't going to dog her out. I just wanted her to know that I know that you know that I know that I saw you. <laughs> Feeding five people at the Olive Garden. You want to go out? That's what they made McDonald's for. That's why Sonic's in existence. Go early, get half price. Go on Thursday, get, get, a, get, a, get a 50 cent corn dog, be done, a glass of water. So I just went over to introduce myself. She said, before you even say anything, I know what you're thinking, and my kids deserve to eat at a nice restaurant just as much as yours do. And I said, okay, I just want to say hi. Now, we could talk about who deserves to eat at an overpriced restaurant, which is, is nobody. It's, a, it's an extravagance. It's not a necessity. She got some hot money in her hand and wasn't wise enough to know what to do with it. Probably paid half her light bill because, you know, if you're behind and you've been behind, they'll take a little bit and leave you on. And that's probably what she did and decided, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll spend the rest. Of, we'll, we'll just blow the rest. Of the, don't be immature. You can be immature in, in your thinking, you can be immature in your Christianity, you can be immature in your relationships, finances, but if you have the fear of the Lord, you can have a solid foundation for true knowledge as long as you're not a fool. Why? Because fools despise wisdom and discipline, and this book is about wisdom and discipline. And it's about knowledge. It's about having a successful life. So you need to self-check. Do you like discipline? That's why I brought up the whole tax thing. You can tell how disciplined somebody is when, when they talk about what they're going to do with their tax return. Tell them, well, wouldn't it be better just to put that in the bank and pay down some debt? Well, I ain't trying to do that. I got to go to Disney World. I got to buy these new Jordans. Then you, they've already exposed themselves. You ought to self-check. Do you want to have discipline or do you just want to be foolish and hate, despise wisdom and discipline so let's finish on this first phrase the fear of the lord is the foundation of knowledge the fear of the lord is the beginning other translations say of knowledge of god you can't even begin to know god without the fear of the lord you can't win a race no matter if you cross the finish line if you didn't start at the starting block see if somebody said pastor scott can you beat usain bolt in a foot race yeah, I can. You let him start at the starting block. You let me start one foot in front of the finish line. I'll bust through the tape before he gets there. But I haven't won anything because I didn't play by the rules. I didn't start at the starting point. To really win, you have to start at the starting point. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the starting point. It's the beginning of knowledge, of understanding of who God is. So if you don't really have a block on the fear of the Lord then it doesn't matter how fast you run or how good you try to be, your foundation's shaking. 
Because the foundation is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation. So we got to have a real good understanding of what the fear of the Lord is. I didn't tell you this earlier, Kari, but uh, put up Proverbs 8.13 in the King James Version. I love when the Bible defines itself. You read, it tells you something that you don't really understand, and then a few verses later, a few chapters later, it tells you exactly what it's trying to say. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs 8.13. If we can't get it up, I'll just read it to you. Here we go. The fear of the Lord is... When you hear someone say, the fear of the Lord, if I say, my point is, guess what I'm about to explain to you? What my point? I'm about to tell you my point. If I say, the answer is, I'm about to explain to you what the answer is. That word is connotates there's an answer forthcoming. There's a definition forthcoming. There's there's a, a, a revealing happening. The fear of the Lord is... To hate evil, colon, stop. Stop on the punctuation. So if someone asks you, what is the fear of the Lord? And you want to give the right answer based on what this verse says, the fear of the Lord, what is the fear of the Lord? To hate evil. So if you don't hate evil, guess what's up with your foundation? Shake not going to withstand the storms of life it's not going to give you the opportunity to build success on the fear of the lord is to hate evil colon more things coming a greater expanse of of what it means to hate not just uh, what it means to hate evil pride arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do i hate god hates evil He hates pride. He hates arrogancy. He hates the evil way. He hates perverse speaking. These are some of the things that God hates. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, so if you want to really begin to be who God wants you to be, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. And the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So, based on Scripture, what can you say the beginning really is to being who God wants you to be? To hate evil. Now, if we took a quick survey, how much evil do you think we really hate? When we, when we line up, you know how much a movie is nowadays? Anybody know? $11. Is that that? $11. Uh, see, that's what I'm saying. Oddly, $11. It just seems like it was just $8 a minute ago. Now it's 11 Yeah. And you get a little discount. But I hear people say, oh, Pastor, it's a great movie. It's only rated R. But because of the, the sex, the violence, and, and the murder. Okay. It's only rated R for the extreme nudity and, 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 and the gratuitous sex scenes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's why it's rated R. We don't hate stuff we line up and spend money on. 
What we do is we excuse our sin by saying it's not as bad as somebody else's. And that's why our foundation is shaking. And that's why we don't have the success that we could have. See, if your dad is a billionaire, you ought to expect to have some of that trickle down to you. All kids with really rich daddies, just, they just have an awareness. Uh, I got an inheritance coming. I'm going to be all right. Dad can leave me all this stuff. They shouldn't be freaking out when the teacher says, uh, field trip Friday is going to cost $95. Kid whose dad is rich. I mean, you don't even have to be super rich. I guarantee you, Marcus ain't never freaked out about needing $95 from you. I mean, he ain't never just laid there and cried. And tried. You, you think he ever just cried for three days thinking, how could I ask mom for $95? Oh, he'd do that in a heartbeat. Hey, need $95 for my new uniform. If you know that your parents have it, you, there's, a, there's, there's a satisfaction and awareness that says, I don't even have a job, but I'm covered. Why? Because my daddy's rich. My daddy's got all the money in the world. He, listen, if you are not living a blessed life, yet you claim that your heavenly father is God who owns everything, then there is a short-circuiting going on in your life. And your blessing doesn't mean you have the ability to pay $95 for your child's field trip. There's lots of different ways to be blessed. Peace of mind is better than money. Love in your home is better than money. Kids that love and honor you is better than money. But there ought to be some level where you can say, I feel successful right now. I feel like God is blessing me, and I'm having some success in my life. If that's not happening, you're short-circuiting it some kind of way. And the problem usually is bad foundation because we're making too much excuses for evil. Now, what percentage of good Christians do you think excuse evil at some point in their life? 100%, all of them. All of us excuse evil, and all of us think that our sin is justified and other, sin, other people's sins is horrible because we are all wretched, sinful human beings. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of God's glory. All right? So I'm not trying to stand up here and preach to you claiming that I, I, I'm, I hate all sin and that I've got this thing perfectly covered and you need to get to where I'm at. I'm the messenger to tell you that God said, if you want a really good foundation of success and wisdom and knowledge and knowing who God is and having a platform that you can build on, you got to get a different attitude about evil. The church used to have a different attitude about evil. I've told you all about uh, Pastor Gene and I sitting down reading. His church is over 100 years old, and they have all the documentation. They used to have business meetings, and they'd record everything that was said. And it's just hilarious. They would have people come up, and it's, it's in writing, 1874. Sister Martha made a motion that the church put out Brother John because she saw him playing cards on his back porch. I want to know how Sister Martha saw John on the back porch. I'm just a little deeper than all that. They had people come and making motions to throw people out of the church because they saw them dancing with their spouse through a window. And I'm like, these were some religious people here. And nosy. And that's not good. 
but they did have a different grandmom in them. They had a different idea about sin. They had a different idea about morality. They had a different idea about evil. Last thing I'll tell y'all, and most of y'all have heard it. My grandmother, I don't ever remember her being an overly spiritual person, do you? She was just from a generation. Okay, and my mom uh, turned 75 this week. And uh, she wasn't the firstborn child in her family. Um, so she was the fourth, I think, born child uh, out of six kids. So if my grandmother was alive, she'd probably be, I mean, she looked 100 when I was eight. So, I mean, <laughs> she'd be over 100. She's got to be over 100. Mom's sister's pushing up on 90. So, yeah, she's just from a different generation. And she would slap you in your face if you said pregnant in front of her. I've witnessed it. Did y'all hear so-and-so's pregnant? Bam! <laughs> Old lady with fast reflexes, right to the mouth. Now, I'm not advocating that, okay? There's better ways than, than uh, don't, don't hit your children in the face. That's just rude and uncalled for, okay? But she would follow with her speech. You ain't going to talk like that. You ain't going to be fast in my house. I don't know how that was fast, but in her mind, it was not proper. You couldn't say, she'd probably fainted if you'd have said knocked up. <laughs> Got a bun in the oven. You had to say, the only way the thing that was acceptable is that she was in the family way. So-and-so is in the family way. That meant she was knocked up and had a bun in the oven. <laughs> there was a different level of acceptance even for common speech patterns in grandma and them's level of morality. We have degraded more in the last 60 years in the area of accepting evil than any 60-year period in the course of human history. Research it. You'll find it to be true. We have degraded more from 1957 to where we are right now than any other 60-year period in the course of human history. Think about it. Think about what's accepted now. Think about kids, little kids, walking around with butt crack hanging out, cussing out teachers. That wasn't even acceptable. My, 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 Seth asked me yesterday, he, he asked me, did, did kids in seventh grade, when I was in seventh grade, cuss out teachers and, and, and drop F-words on teachers? I'm like, you know, kids in high school didn't do that when I was growing up. Not publicly. It's drifted down. And you got to decide what your viewpoint of evil is going to be. Not other people's evil, your evil. See, because religious people expect others to live right. Mature Christians demand that they themselves live right. You worried about how somebody else is sinning? You've been duped by the devil. Because you can't concentrate on you and them at the same time. The beginning. So I want you to read this book this month. But I want you to understand, when you see the word fear of the Lord, I want you to understand the biblical definition of fear of the Lord is having a hatred, a negative concept, a disdain for what is evil. We've accepted evil for so long. That's why we're in the shape we're in as a country. That's, that's why we have the politicians that we have now that could have never been elected in grandmama's time 
No way. You, can't, you just can't go around saying vile stuff and, and being vulgar and hateful uh, and have been elected in this country 100 years ago. It wouldn't happen. You wouldn't even been able to run. But we just accept everything now. Seeing that with Bishop Jakes coming out, I found out today, evolving his biblical position based on the way the community and the culture has changed. Now we've, we've let people tell us what's right and wrong other than God. And I want you to get your foundation right so that God can build a successful life so that you can be everything God wants you to be. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Help us to love you. Help us to love each other. And help us to grow in wisdom and in discipline. God, I pray you bless us. Give us a desire to follow you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.